Today's Live on Web program on The Truth About ELDs is sponsored by Freightliner and PeopleNet. The new video intelligence system with forward-facing camera captures it all, not just the visual, but the whole story, so you can see exactly what your drivers see. It's about protection and prevention. We're watching out for the driver, not watching the driver. I'm Seth Clevenger, Technology Editor at Transport Topics, and welcome to our Live on Web program. Today we're going to talk about electronic logging and the upcoming ELD mandate. Late last year, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration published its final rule on electronic logging devices, or ELDs. Under that rule, nearly all carriers whose drivers are required to keep paper logs to record their hours of service will need to install ELDs in their trucks by December of 2017. Of course, some fleets have already been using electronic driver logs for years, and their experiences can help provide some guidance to the many carriers who will be adopting the technology in the coming months. With that in mind, I'm pleased to welcome two guests, Herman Funk, Jr., Vice President and General Counsel at Cowan Systems, a truckload carrier based in Baltimore, Maryland. And on the LTL side of the industry, we have Sam Fawcett, Vice President of Safety and Compliance with Old Dominion Freightline, based in Thomasville, North Carolina. Later in the program, we'll also hear from Kevin Tomlinson, past general chairman of the Technology and Maintenance Council and director of maintenance at South Shore Transportation in Sandusky, Ohio. And we also want to hear from you. Email questions or comments about ELDs to share at ttnews.com, or you can comment directly in the box at the top of this webpage. So welcome, gentlemen. Now, before we dive into this, I do have to mention that uh, it's very fitting to have Cowan Systems and Old Dominion on the show because you guys both run green trucks the day before St. Patrick's Day. So we uh, appreciate that, even though we didn't plan it that way. But um, both of your fleets are already using electronic logs, and I'm sure our viewers are eager to hear how those rollouts went and and your experiences with the devices. So, um, Sam, maybe I can start with you, and could you really briefly take us through the rollout of e-logs at Old Dominion. You know, why did you guys make that transition? When did you make it? And, and how has it gone for you? Certainly. Uh, we started looking at a full telematics platform back in 2008, uh, looking at providers, uh, evaluating what was available at the time. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, there was no other national LTL provider that used an ELD or an e-logs platform. So uh, what was out there was usually used in the truckload sector. Um, we really started with providers to see what we wanted, uh, a laundry list, and we piloted different providers to see how they can meet that demand for us uh, to go much further than just an e-log into a full telematics platform. Uh, that evolved into some installs in 2010, uh, and we've been a fully 100% ELD or e-log carrier now for about four years. Got it. And I'll pose the same question to you, Herman. Uh, you know, when and why did Cowan Systems adopt e-logs, and, and uh, you know, how's, been, how's the reception been so far? We made the decision to uh, adopt e-logs in early 2011. 
Um, we, again, went through the process of vetting providers and decided on a, on a platform that we wanted to use. Um, at the end, by the end of 2011, we'd chosen a platform and we began training our operations and safety personnel. And in the beginning of 2012, we started training drivers and, uh, and rolling it out. It took about, about 12 months, a little over 12 months, to completely roll it out to a f fleet of 1,500 trucks. Got it. Well, I'm sure many of our viewers would uh, uh, be eager to hear about uh, uh, how well your drivers took to e-logs. You know, that's one of the top questions that comes out there. So, uh, Sam, I'll ask you, uh, how, what was the reaction among your drivers when you first rolled out the technology, and have you seen that change over time? Uh, well, we've had very good acceptance from the drivers. Um, our driver age, our demographic is a little less than the industry standard. We figured yep. our average age was 47. I think the industry is 57. But we took on our pilots um, some young drivers and some senior drivers. Uh, and really, the senior drivers weren't very challenged with it uh, after some education, basic training. And they had a, a, a real deep sense of accomplishment once they could master how to use the NELD, and it made them proud that they could learn how to do this. Got it. And same question to you, Herman. How, how was the driver response? I think, I think this might be a good time to point out that the driver core um, is not a homogenous group. We have, um, even at Cowan Systems, where we have a, a pretty, pretty similar demographic. You have a wide range of uh, experience and and competence with electronics and a wide range of backgrounds. So we had some drivers who folded their arms and sat back and said they would never, uh, you know, go along with this. And we had some that were eager to learn it. Um, uh, all in all, the acceptance went very smoothly because we do have a, a very good driver core. Their average age is in the mid-50s, so they didn't grow up with smartphones and, and right. you know, electronic devices. Um, and a lot of them have real fat fingers, so you know, they had to, had to learn to deal with that. But um, they were very accepting of it. They took it seriously. Uh, the rollout went very smoothly. Okay. And I know you guys conducted an internal survey of your drivers on ELDs. Uh, can you quickly run through the results of that? I did. Uh, in fact, not too long ago, not too many months ago, I did a survey of several hundred drivers and just asked them uh, whether they liked electronic logs or they would want to go back to paper logs. And 80% uh, of our drivers said they liked electronic logs. 75% of our drivers said it saved them time during their day and made them more productive. Um, 30, about a third of the drivers said that it saved them about a half an hour a day. Mm -hmm. um, and 40-some percent of the drivers said it saved them more than an hour a day. So uh, there's only a small group, after, after a couple of years, there's only a small group that would, that would prefer to go back to, that says they would prefer to go back right. to paper logs. I'm not sure they really would, but, right. but they're, not, they're stubborn. They're not mm -hmm. going to tell you that they yeah. like it. Save them time on actually keeping the, the logs on, current. On the paperwork, the keeping paperwork. the logs current. Okay. And, you know, drivers, um, you know, I, I come from a legal background, and I've always had struggles with the lawyers I managed to do their timesheets on time. So that you can build clients. It's the same with drivers. They don't like to do their timesheets, and you'll find drivers doing their timesheets for the week at the end right. of the week, and there's no way they're going to get it right. Now, we did receive a viewer question on uh, driver training from Greg Siphon, president of Siphon Logistics. 
And he asks if you have a recommendation on a transition plan to prepare drivers to go from paper to electronic logs. And I'll direct that to Sam. You know, is, there, is there any plan or, or recommendation you would you give to, to the fleets out there on how to prepare drivers for making this transition? Uh, sure, Seth. You've, you've got to train your driver on the transition. Uh, we found it very useful after trying a couple of approaches. We modernized our training material, uh, presented it to the driver and trained them, and then go through a uh, certification process to have them demonstrate the ability to successfully use the e-log system and wean them off of paper. Uh, at the end of that certification process, then they are, were an e-log certified driver. Um, and with full acceptance, they no longer were required to do paper logs. Got it. Uh, what about you, Gene? Uh, important to remember that it's not just a driver training issue. Um, if you have uh, 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 safety trainers or driver trainers, get them trained up first so that they are very familiar with the machinery, how it works, how it operates, what the problems are, um, so that they know what they're talking about before they start talking to drivers. Same thing with your dispatch people. It's very important that they understand it. Because when the driver calls in, he's going to call his dispatcher first and tell him he has a problem. And if the dispatcher can't help him, then he feels, uh, you know, shanghaied or, or alone. And another important point in that certification process is make sure that the drivers get some handle, hands-on training before you just put them in the truck. Get some units from your manufacturer, uh, uh, set them up in your training room, let the drivers touch them, play with them learn how to use them, because you can't just install it in the truck and tell him, well, you've got an e-log today, go do it. Right. And uh, we'll continue to explore how Old Dominion and Cowan are using e-logs in their operations a bit later in the program. Uh, but before we go any further, I'd like to provide a basic overview of the ELD mandate itself. You know, here's a copy of the rule. You know, I'm holding out a printout of the final rule, which is available to view on the Federal Register. You know, the PDF version is 516 pages, so if you're looking for some good reading material uh, over the weekend, there you go. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of detail in there, but let's quickly review the essentials you will need to know. For the most part, all drivers who are currently required to keep records of duty status will need to move from paper logs to ELDs to comply with the mandate. The rule does list some exemptions, though. First, drivers who use paper logs no more than eight days during a 30-day period won't need to use an ELD. This could come into play if you have short haul drivers who only occasionally exceed the you know, 100 or 150 air mile radius or a 12 hour day. Another exemption covers drive away, tow away operations where the vehicle driven is part of the shipment. And there's also an exemption for drivers of trucks manufactured before model year 2000. While the main compliance date for the ELD mandate is December 18th of 2017, we should also note that carriers using devices that meet current specs, known as autom automatic onboard recording devices, or AOBRDs, will be able to continue using them an additional two years beyond the compliance date. In other words, all carriers using e-logs today will have until December 16th of 2019 to upgrade those devices to meet the technical specifications in the ELD rule. So there will be changes even for fleets that are already using e-logs. In most cases, it does appear that technology vendors will be able to make their current systems into compliant ELDs through software updates with no changes to the hardware. However, older systems that can't produce a graphical display of driver's duty status changes will probably require a hardware change by 2019. For those of you who are already using e-logs through an onboard fleet management system, 
your vendors are probably working on this now and will roll out changes to make them into compliant ELDs. There will be many different types of ELDs on the market, ranging from full-blown fleet management platforms that provide many features and applications to more basic low-cost products that focus mainly or only on achieving compliance with the mandate. Under the rule, an ELD is not required to provide communication capabilities between the driver and motor carrier, but it does require an integral connection with the truck's engine to automatically record when the vehicle moves. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a mobile communications platform. The ELD rule also introduces special driving categories for personal conveyance and yard moves. Authorized personal use of the vehicle can be tracked as off-duty, not driving time and yard moves are considered on-duty, not driving time. The driver will have to indicate the beginning and end of a yard move or personal use. During roadside inspections, ELDs will need to use one of two data transfer options, a telematics transfer method that uses web services or email to send the data file, or a local transfer method using Bluetooth or USB. Compliant ELDs will also need to provide one of two backup options for data transfer. They must be able to produce a graphical display of the driver's log data that the officer can view without entering the vehicle, or the ELD will need to generate a printout of the log data. To be clear, the printer is an option, but not necessarily a requirement. We'll continue to discuss other details of the ELD rule as we go, but for now, let's move on to some questions from our viewers. Um, Looking at some of the questions we received, we did receive a few about how the ELD mandate might affect freight capacity and the driver shortage. So let's go ahead and address some of those. Uh, Charles Larry Sr., a group manager at Rider System, asked, what is the expected impact on the industry in terms of capacity? How many drivers or tractors will be lost due to a choice not to comply? So I'll address that to our panelists. You know, do you expect freight capacity to tighten due to the ELD rule? either through more accurate enforcement of hours of service or perhaps even through some drivers choosing to, to leave the industry. You want to take that off, uh, Sam? Sure. It, the only way I see that as a possibility is if drivers are resistant and, and do leave the industry. Uh, maybe small owner-operators. Um, otherwise, it, it makes for a, a more fluid uh, system of dispatching and driver and, and time management uh, when you use an ELD or a, a telematics platform. Okay. Thoughts on that, Herman? I agree with Sam. It will improve everyone's operations, particularly if they, if they opt for a telematics platform that does transmit data back to the office in real time. There are going to be particular parts of the industry that are affected greatly and some that aren't affected so greatly. I, you know, in, 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 in putting the ELDs or the onboard recorders in our trucks, our truckload division, we didn't find a loss of uh, productivity or a loss of efficiency. Um, I think if we, when we implement the, the ELDs in our intermodal division, where the congestion is very bad, where the, the ports are, are backed up and there are lines to get in and out, it is going to create a real problem for, the, for sure. drivers. And it's going to change the way the business model is, is uh, constructed. Okay. Also got a question from Dave Schaller at the North American Council for Freight Efficiency, asking if the mandate uh, could force more tractors to be stationary more hours of the day, potentially uh, worsening the parking shortage, um, or make the driver shortage a larger problem. Uh, do you see you know, either of those factors uh, uh, being affected by the ELD mandate, Sam? We actually saw a uh, vehicle utilization benefit uh, after okay. our telematics program was installed. 
uh, it, there is an operational aspect to that program, and it, it was a benefit to us. Okay. And Herman? If you are slip-seating trucks and you know where your trucks are at all times, it's much easier to schedule the next shift to come in on trucks. There's a lot of operational efficiencies. I don't see, um, I mean, who, you know, who knows whether drivers will actually leave the industry. Uh, we had a few drivers tell us that that's what they were going to do, but I'm not aware of any, any driver in our 15 or 1600 driver core that actually left or quit because he didn't like electronic logs. Wow. I think it's, I think it's the fear talking. You know, they're, yeah. the people don't like change, and I think their kind of, their kind of uh, escape is to say, I'm just not going to do it. But when it comes down to it, if they're trained and you, and you treat them well, mm -hmm. I think they're going to adopt it just like everybody has so far. Okay. I did get a few uh, questions about the, some of the other details of the rule that I'd like to address right away. We do have a couple questions about uh, ELDs and business size. Uh, Deneen Berg of Mike Berg Trucking asks, is there a specific amount of trucks you have to have before you are mandated to use ELDs? And Shelley Logsdon of Logsdon Brothers asked whether or not it's true that smaller companies and older trucks won't have to use ELDs. So I'll first address the older trucks portion of that. Um, it is true that you won't requ be required to use an ELD on trucks older than model year 2000. But the mandate does apply across the board, regardless of company size. So if you have drivers filling out paper logs today, uh, you'll need to move them over to ELDs, uh, unless they fall under one of the exemptions that we listed earlier. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a carrier with one truck or thousands of trucks. You know, the ELD mandate still applies. Um, another uh, quick one I want to hit is uh, uh, questions about uh, whether or not the ELD could shut a truck's engine down. I got a couple questions from uh, Andrea Velasquez, a dispatcher at Garden City Co-op, and a question from uh, Sarah Rapley. And uh, the answer here is no. Um, you know, I, th I think it's uh, actually a bit of a misconception, but thank you for asking so we can clear it up. Uh, ELDs are not going to shut down engines. Uh, there's nothing in the rule that would require that. Uh, so that's one thing you won't have to worry about. Um, and I also have a few questions here about personal conveyance and yard moves. Uh, Jerry Sullivan, a safety director, asks when you can or, and when you cannot use personal conveyance status. And uh, Tracy Thomas, CEO at Bolt Transport, asks us to explain yard moves under ELDs. And uh, I'd love to do that if I could. Uh, so let me, let me preface this by saying that a lot of people would like uh, some more clarity on, on, on yard moves in particular. Um, uh, but uh, FMCSA did not provide clear... Uh, definitions uh, on, on when you cannot, can and cannot use yard moves or personal conveyance. And uh, the agency said it declined to do so in this rule because it's really a question about hours of service in general rather than being something specific to ELDs. Uh, but I do think it would help if, we, uh, if the industry had some additional clarity and perhaps FMCSA will provide that in the future. So I'd like to ask my panelists uh, you know, how they account you know, personal conveyance and yard moves in their fleets. Um, you know, uh, maybe, uh, Sam, I'll start with you. you know, do you have particular guidelines for yard moves in particular, you know, when, when you use that uh, and, and when you don't uh, under ELDs and, and today? Certainly, it, it, and it really is dependent on who's making the yard move. If it's a driver, then it's, it's on duty, not driving time. It's part of their work day and part of their responsibility to record that record of duty status. Uh, where we have a lot of questions with the new rule is that if there are technicians or sure. just for instance uh, 
one person whose responsibility is to fuel all the trucks at a certain time every day when they're out running or at night, he moves each, he moves 20 trucks to a fuel island, fuels them and parks them back. Uh, with him signing into uh, an EOD or producing a record duty status, uh, that employee's not under uh, 395. He's not a driver. Uh, may not even hold a CDL. He just works for you providing a service. It may be a vendor. Uh, do we want people um, signing in, producing a record of duty status that's not a driver? It's an interesting question. Uh, Herman, thoughts on so that? So the alternative is that someone monitors the unassigned driving that occurs at the terminal, someone from the office, and they assign it. They find out trucks in the shop or the truck was being fueled between 8 and 9 o'clock, and they assign it to the person that's doing that work. Uh, you know, it's going to be up to everybody in their own operation is what the best way to do it is. You know, if you have um, your own shop and you have technicians, you can give them logins, and they can, they can log in and, and test drive trucks or fuel trucks or whatever. We're a little bit different. We, we uh, turn over our equipment every three years, so all of our, pretty much all of our service is done by dealers. So we don't know who's going to be test driving trucks. We sure. don't know who's going to be operating them. Uh, so what we do is we monitor unassigned driving, and we assign it. You know, we check okay. to see who was in the truck, and, and we assign it. It takes a little bit of time, but uh, you're going to find that a lot of things about e ELDs takes a little bit of time. Sure. And that's something that we'll all have to keep in mind, especially first-time adopters. You know, all, all the people who move a truck, you'll have to account for that on your, your ELDs and think about how you want to handle it. And, and again, the, the importance of it is that when your driver logs into that unit next, it's going to prompt him and say, there's unassigned driving on this truck. Do you want this to be assigned to you? Right. So if, if, if you don't take action, it will get assigned to him. Sure. And... That'll, that'll cause problems. Sure. I would like to give everybody a reminder that we welcome your questions and feedback on today's show. You can email us at share at ttnews.com or comment directly on this article page to uh, send us a question, and we'll do our best to address as many as we can. Uh, next up, we have a video question from Paul Young of Atlas Van Lines, who spoke with us at Technology and Maintenance Council's annual meeting. Let's go ahead and take a look. I'm Paul Young with uh, Atlas Van Lines, and my question is on the ELD uh, rules is that the driver can, he still make the edit if he makes a mistake before uh, he changes duty status. Example is that he forgets to uh, put himself into the sleeper, and he goes to sleep, wakes up, and realizes he's still on duty, and he makes that change before he goes actually back to driving. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Paul. Uh, Paul asked about the ability to edit logs. And uh, you know, just to start off, the rule does allow uh, some limited editing of driver logs, uh, but the original recording will still be saved. Uh -huh. And uh, also, any back office edits to a driver's log must be approved by the driver, so keep that in mind. And, uh, but, but hopefully the editing capabilities will address some situations where a driver you know, forgets to change his duty status, um, for example. Um, and as we mentioned before, also keep in mind that fleets will have to account for driving time by people other than, other than their drivers, uh, including technicians or other staff who move the vehicles around. So uh, it might be best for carriers to create separate ELD logins for, for other personnel who move a truck. 
Uh, otherwise, the driver will have to reconcile that uh, driving time when he or she is back in the vehicle. Um, and unassigned driving time could be a red flag for enforcement. So, um, yeah, I think we addressed that a little bit earlier, but um, any additional thoughts from our panel on how to, uh, to handle the logins for uh, folks other than your over-the-road drivers or uh, who, who um, will be moving the truck? Uh, that's something that will have to be looked at in depth, and it's going to vary through experience of where the truck is and exactly what's being done. Uh, we don't see it being uh, really yard moves being done a lot when the driver is not responsible and in the truck and actually performing work. Um, there are other ways, though, for I think for Federal Motor Care and Compliance to, to find those issues. Uh, the lat law, lat law recording of the truck's movement, odometer checks, um, it's really there's easier ways to discover, I think, the avenue of truck unassigned truck movement than someone signing in, but it's not or really shouldn't be under a record duty status requirement. Got it. And be aware that putting uh, uh, an electronic logging device in your truck is not the be-all and end-all. It's not going to save you from compliance problems. The worst thing that could happen is you put them in your trucks and you think everything is fine. That thing is generating a report every day of unassigned driving. Every time a truck moves, it's generating a report of all the violations. So you've got to be on top of those. You've got to look at the unassigned driving every day, look at the violations, try to, try to sort it out so that your logs are accurate. Got it. And you know, one of the most common questions that comes up about the ELD mandate are uh, concerns about leasing and rental trucks. Uh, we got several of those from our viewers. Uh, John Donnarumma, uh, Safety and Compliance Director at American Gas Products, uh, asked how long-distance rentals will be handled. Um, now, and I, we've got a few, a few others as well. You know, how will rental truck be dealt with when going over the road for more than eight days? Um, you know, I will say that FMCSA has made the point that it doesn't regulate truck leasing and uh, rental operations. But that does not change the carrier's requirement to use e-logs. You still need an ELD in there. Uh, in the end, I think it's uh, the message is that it's ultimately up to the industry to, to find out how this is going to work. Uh, carriers uh, potentially could install you know, portable plug-and-play ELD devices in their uh, uh, lease and rental trucks. Uh, it could be that lease and rental packages on their own to help their carrier customers comply. So we'll have to see how that uh, uh, actually plays out. And I'd like to ask our panelists, uh, you know, Sam, what are your thoughts on the best way for you know, the industry to handle this, this issue with ELDs and uh, leased and, and rented trucks? Probably to install the device when they make a long-term lease on a truck and hope they don't have to make many one- to two-day leases just to replace uh, broke down or in maintenance equipment. Uh, some of these devices uh, for different providers are, are pretty simple to install. It can do it in just a few minutes. Others with uh, an onboard computer, uh, an OBC that hooked directly to the ECM, can take a little longer. Uh, but still, within a couple hours, a truck can be equipped. Um, if it's a requirement, it, it'll have to be, be met. Got it. The, the latest generation of devices are pretty much self-contained units. Um, that plug into the diagnostic port on the truck. So I foresee in the future, uh, you know, if when we rent a truck, whether it's short-term or long-term, uh, our driver taking the device that we use 
you know, a spare uh, a, a unit that's for rental and plugging it into the diagnostic device. Now, you're going to have to authorize that truck number ahead of time in the computer system. Uh, he logs in and gives it the truck number, and he's off and running just like he's in one of, one of your regular fleet. Um, there is going to be some issues with cabling. Different trucks have different diagnostic plugs, so you're going to have to have a variety, two or three different kinds of uh, plugs to fit all the different manufacturers. Hopefully, there'll be some standardization. Got it. Yeah, something we'll definitely be following in the months ahead. I'm sure this is a, you know, on the top of uh, mind for a lot of folks, and, and we'll see how the industry addresses it. I uh, got a related question from Ricky Abel, uh, Senior Manager of Safety and Compliance at Medline Industries. If a portable ELD is used, for example, in a rental truck, does it have to be connected to the rental tractor or truck ECM port, or can just the GPS function only be used? Uh, it's my understanding that it still needs to connect with the, the ECM to provide that uh, uh, integral synchronization, I believe is the way the, the rule puts it. It still needs to be connecting with the truck uh, to, to accurately. It, it has, it has to take the truck's uh, mileage yep. um, and, the, and when the engine on and engine off and when the truck is moving, it has to be directly plugged into the truck. Got it. And another quick reminder that, uh, you know, continue to send us your questions and feedback uh, during the show as we go. Uh, you can email us at shtnews.com or comment directly on this article page. Uh, next, let's go ahead and get back to how e-logs have affected operations and business processes at Old Dominion and Cowan. So I'd like to ask the panelists, uh, do you find it easier to manage hours of service compliance and make better dispatching decisions with electronic logs? And do you have a better understanding of the driver's situation as a result? Uh, Sam. Uh, yes, it, it's, it's much more precise. Um, we're a very structured operation anyway in the LTL market. It's most uh, like us operate on a hub and spoke system. We know the distances between our points, the drivers to service centers, drop points. Uh, but we can also, with some operational aspects to our telematics program, um, go in and look, see where a driver's at. Are they making progress? Uh, are they too far out? Uh, before, they, before they have a problem, we can sort of predict the, uh, the distance being covered, if the, especially when weather applications come. Sure. Uh, it gives us a lot more predictability, some transparency with the driver and, and with the vehicle. It's been a, a great operations and uh, as far as safety compliance, um, going from paper to e-logs, we used, used to use an imaging process for paper logs. That is now our backup contingency plan, and that's one thing that I would advise everyone needs to think about is, is a contingency plan. If your provider goes down, an hour is not a big issue. If your provider goes down for 8 to 12 to 20 hours, you have to have a backup plan to handle all that paper logs and data coming back at you, even not just from the driver's standpoint, but in the back office to rebuild all those logs. So develop you a good contingency plan um, and, and put it in practice occasionally to make sure that it works. It's been a, a great savings for us on time and effort, and we get a lot more precision with our operations. Got it. And, sure. and you, have, you have to remember to uh, remind your drivers to keep a paper logbook in the yes. truck because they're yeah. still required to have one. That's one of the, one of the two violations that you'll frequently get uh, with electronic logs is the driver doesn't have the instruction card for law enforcement in the truck, and he doesn't have a paper logbook because they, they forget about paper log books and, right. and they don't have them in the truck. Um, somebody said knowledge is power a long time ago, and it's true. You, when you have a telematics device on your truck, 
and you know where it is and where it's been and how fast it's going and when it's likely to reach its destination and where your drivers are going, it, it allows you to manage your business much, much better. It allows you to find problems that you wouldn't normally find. Um, you know, I, I had uh, instances where I found out about problems that have been going on for years that drivers had been covering for and fleet managers had been covering for, you know, customers that were uncooperative that caused problems in the operation. Once the e-logs are there, you, you find out that the driver is moving the truck when he shouldn't have to or that the customer is forcing him off the lot. You know, the, the, uh, the concern that drivers have about harassment is, is a valid one, but there's a flip side to that, too. No longer can a dispatcher tell a driver, do the best you can right. and get the freight there. Um, we know exactly how many hours he has. We know exactly how long it's going to take to do the run and how much time he has to do it in. So it, it backs the driver up when he says, I don't think that this can be done. Got it. And, you know, as we all know, uh, form and manner violations for driver logs are, you know, among the most common you know, roadside violations. And they're often, you know, simple mistakes made when the driver fills out you know, his or her logbook. Uh, so I'd like to ask both of the panelists here you know, if you've seen a decline in your fleet and the frequency of those types of, uh, in these and other types of hours of service violations as a result, and has it had an effect on your CSA scores? Uh, yes, we haven't uh, seen it have a, a negative effect on our CSA scores. In fact, it's been little change. Our, our scores were good when we were on paper uh, because we're uh, pretty much regimented and know the distances and how these drivers will drive. It makes your any violations you have more discoverable. They're easier to find. There's less back office time for folks uh, manually auditing logs and checking into runs that, that may be questionable or something the driver submitted that's not quite right. Um, it, it makes for a more efficient operation pretty much overall. Okay. And Herman? When, when, you, when you go on an electronic logging device, your hours of service violations, particularly the real hours of service violations, will go away. It will, it will solve the problem with very few exceptions. Like I said, you know, having an instruction card or having a backup paper logbook or the, the device uh, malfunctioning and, and during a, when a truck is stopped on a roadside. But it will drastically improve uh, your hours of service compliance on roadsides. And the earlier you adopt it, the better, because the big fleets are using them. If you're not using them, you're going to look bad by comparison. We got a question from Lori Joe. Uh, do you see driver pay changing? You know, less pay per mile uh, percentage and uh, more hourly pay as an enticement to increase driver retention. Uh, thoughts on that question? Uh, not in our business model. Uh, Fifty percent of our drivers, roughly, are pickup and delivery drivers that are home every every night. Uh, they run the city during the day, so they're already hourly paid. Okay. When uh, electronic logs are instituted in your fleet, if your drivers are spending a lot of time waiting at docks or ports or at shipper locations and they're not being appropriately compensated for that detention time, then I think you will see uh, a big change in driver compensation because they're not going to be able to hide that anymore. Mm -hmm. If they have a tendency to hide it now, they won't be able to hide it anymore. The clock will be ticking. So if your drivers are sitting for two hours and, and they can't get around the hours of service problem, they're going to expect to be compensated for that. Sure. There's no question. I do briefly want to address the uh, driver harassment issue. 
uh, back in 2011, a previous FMCSA rule on electronic logging was thrown out by a federal appeals court uh, for not addre adequately addressing concerns about driver harassment. In response, FMCSA has issued a, a rule back in November that prohibits carriers, shippers, and brokers from coercing truck drivers to violate hours of service uh, or other safety regulations. So I'd like to ask uh, each of our panelists, do you believe the uh, recent uh, driver coercion rule uh, as well as the language in the new ELD rule sufficiently addresses concerns about driver harassment? Sam? Certainly. Well, I don't think we were exposed to that to the uh, extent truckload carriers were because of our function. I think it is very well addressed with the rule. Okay. I think, I think the rule is, is about as good as you could expect, and I think it's, I think it's a good one. Um, of course, it's difficult to legislate respect. So if you respect your drivers uh, and you love your drivers, then you're not going to be coercing them right. and you're not going to be harassing them. But, and, the, and the rule is going to create some, some complaints by disgruntled drivers against carriers that didn't really do anything wrong, and it's going to create some problems for carriers complaining about drivers. But in the main, I think that it's going to be fleshed out, um, and it's a good rule. Got it. I also have a very good question on the effect on shippers. Uh, I've got the following question from Troy Stevenson, who's a procure, procurement manager at OI, a glass manufacturer. So from a shipper's perspective, what specific items do we need to address to survive in a 100% ELD environment so from a shipper angle? Sam? I guess, uh, for the most part, delivery times or, or pickup delivery time, accuracy if, it's, if you're an appointment customer or, or contractual customer that works off appointments. Uh, it works both ways. It's always great for the carrier to um, be able to get service when we have an appointment and, and likewise be on time for our, our customers. Got it. Uh, exactly right. It's going to require shippers to be more efficient um, in scheduling deliveries and pickups. Uh, a driver who is on the clock and you know, feels that pressure, that time pressure every minute of every day is not going to be happy uh, sitting in line or waiting three or four hours to get loaded or unloaded. Um, and you're going to find that carriers are, are going to shy away from shippers that don't have efficient operations. One of the first things that we dealt with when we implemented electronic logs was we found where those problems were and we worked on helping the shippers do a better job of scheduling things. So the, we promised them to show up on time, and they promised to either give us the ability to drop and hook or to get us delivered, uh, loaded or unloaded on time, keep the driver moving. Got it. So better communication, coordination it's between carriers and shippers and, right. and uh, you know, sticking to appointments, right? Yep. I mean, just to, uh, uh, it sounds like that, that relationship uh, is going to be more important than ever. Uh, also had some question, I also had a question for the panelists. Uh, do you think some shippers will actually ask carriers to begin using ELDs uh, sooner uh, rather than waiting until the compliance deadline? Do you see that happening in any cases? There may, there may be some that do. There are some shippers who, uh, you know, take uh, safety regulations to heart and, and uh, as, as general counsel, I look at all the contracts and I'll see these long involved contracts where shippers want to spell out every safety regulation mm -hmm. and ask you to yep. represent that you're, you're complying with it. Uh, when, when it's really your business and not theirs so much. But um, there will be some that ask for that reason. Mm -hmm. There will be some, uh, but I think there's a general uh, tendency among shippers starting back in 2014 and in, in early 2015 
when, whenever capacity gets tight, shippers try to lock up capacity. Yeah. And I think this may create some fear that there's not going to be enough capacity, and, it, and it, they may be looking for carriers who have adopted the ALDs and built them into their operations so they know there won't be disruptions. Okay. And do you have any additional thoughts on that, Sam? And I think a carrier can um, be very proactive with a shipper and just come right out and let them know they're, they're you know, ahead of the mandate. They're currently using ELDs or a, a telematics program to let them know they're at the top of their game. It builds a confidence in that relationship between the two. Got it. I also have a question from Randy Gunter, owner at RTG Logistics, who's uh, asking how the new ELD rule will affect freight brokers. Um, is this you know, sort of a similar thing to, to shippers where um, carriers and, and brokers will have to work more closely? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on how the rule will, will affect the, the brokerage brokerages out there? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> brokers, that's a whole separate subject, yeah, right? right? Um, it will do the same thing to, to the brokerage world that it does internally, you know, a, a, a the brokers are going to be faced with cold, hard facts and scientific evidence about how much time there is and whether or not a delivery can be made. Right. And there are going to be uh, maybe brokers that ignore that, and there are going to be brokers that acknowledge that and, and deal with it. Um, the brokerage world, they deal largely with smaller carriers right. and a lot of carriers, so it's very difficult for a broker to police things like that amongst their carriers. They pretty much have to take the carrier's word for it. Sure. It's been my experience. Okay. And you know, maybe one thing I'll add is the, you know, going back to the driver coercion rule, you know, is uh, going to be important for, uh, you know, that, that nobody uh, in, in transportation uh, is seen to coerce a driver to, to violate hours of service regulations, and that will be more important than ever. And, and it will be very important that carriers, small carriers, not turn over the control of their truck and their driver to a broker. You don't, you don't want brokers telling, instructing your driver. You don't want brokers telling them, whether, asking them whether they can or cannot make it or, or pinging them in the middle of the night and asking them why they're not there yet, that kind of thing. It, it, it's bad for a number of reasons, but one of them, the driver coercion rule. Got it. And uh, maybe just a, a kind of a bottom line question on, on safety. Uh, do you guys believe that ELDs will improve safety across the industry? Uh, Sam, you can take that one first. Oh, absolutely. It, it is in, it, it's improved our safety program at Old Dominion. Uh, it's what we hadn't really talked about yet is the, with a, a good basic telematics program, you can go in there and look at, at how your driver's performing as well as how your, how's your truck performing. Uh, are there uh, red flags coming up, such as sudden starts, sudden stops, curve events, uh, what we call uh, OERs or onboard event recordings that can give you an opportunity to intervene with a driver if you see there's some uh, issues for coaching or retraining or whatever the case calls for. It gives you a very good insight to uh, driver behavior and performance that we've never had before. Okay. Yeah, those are all collateral benefits to having the telematics platform. Right. Um, the, the electronic logging in and of itself, you know, it's not, it's not a safety tool. It's a compliance tool. If, right. if, you're, if you have a compliant operation, um, it's not going to really change much other than it's not on paper anymore. Now it's electronic, and it, mm -hmm. and it, and it takes, there's, takes a lot more administrative work. But um, it's, uh, it doesn't, 
an ELD is not going to make sure that a driver gets rest when he goes home on his 10-hour break. It'll make sure that it's easier for FMCSA and for your safety officer to find out when a driver is driving too much, but it won't change his, you know, his fatigue factor that's caused by non-work conditions, mm -hmm. for example. But it will certainly help with compliance. Okay. And there's an opportunity to address safety as well with some of the you know, fleet management platforms that have other types of mm -hmm. applications to, that fleets can use to, to better manage and track their operations and, and take a look at driver behavior as we discussed. Um, shifting gears a little bit, I recently spoke with Kevin Tomlinson, Director of Maintenance at South Shore Transportation and past chairman of TMC. He shared his thoughts on ELDs a couple weeks ago at TMC's annual meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. So let's go ahead and roll that video. Hello, I'm Seth Clevenger, Technology Editor at Transport Topics. I'm here in the uh, exhibit hall at TMC's annual meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm joined here with uh, Kevin Tomlinson. He is the outgoing chairman of TMC. And he is also uh, Director of Maintenance at uh, South Shore uh, te Transportation. Transportation. And you guys are in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Absolutely. And uh, he's here to talk to us about ELDs. So uh, what are your thoughts on the t topic? And, and uh, yeah, well, well, Seth, a, a great question. I mean, there's a lot of stuff been going around. We finally have, it's been passed or set down that uh, ELDs will be, uh, have to be in place by the end of next year, so right. 2017. And uh, so there's, you know, there's all those questions of, we, we haven't been on them at right. this point. We are installing now. We just uh, purchased uh, some for our tractors. And... Uh, but there's there's some questions that come along with it. You know, we're sure. not a real heavy big fleet, but uh, you know, it, it, how much is it going to change? You know, uh, you could always, I guess, for a lack, massage uh, paper logbooks, and uh, and now that's not going to be, uh, not that we would want to do that, but it won't be as easy, I guess, for lack right. of better terms. Not you can't you can't do it. So so because of that, does that change? Uh, uh, is there a percentage of, uh, of, of units that we're going to have to be purchased to uh, continue mm -hmm. to haul the same amount of freight that we have right. today? Mm -hmm. So it's that number. We, we have 160 trucks. If it's a 10% change, is that 16? I'm going to go buy 16 more trucks, yeah. uh, go find 16 more drivers, and put 16 more pieces of equipment on the road when we have people that are a little bit excited okay. about the amount of traffic we have out there already. So, okay. so that's a big question that yeah. I have in my mind. I mean, you know, we uh, we we do a great job as a carrier, and uh, and and but you know, there's there's limits to what we can accomplish, and and this is going to change some of those. So, okay. Uh, so there's a bit of a question about driver productivity and. Uh, based on you know the precision, I suppose of, of how uh, drivers' hours are right. Are reported. Absolutely, I mean you know it's 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 you know guys snowstorms and the breakdown and all of that stuff accounts for time, mm -hmm. and and once the clock starts ticking, it, it doesn't stop. Right. And uh, so so that'll be challenging. I think it'll be challenging for a little while. I think this is something that people have brought up. I don't think this is any new news, but it's uh, it's definitely a concern and something to think about. I mean we're. We're, we're trying to accomplish uh, not as many vehicles on the road and trying to do that with trailer sizes and hauling more freight and possibly changing weights and, and what have you to, uh, to stop more equipment. But yeah, now we're sort of limiting ourselves to the fact that we're going to have to put more equipment on the road to continue to deliver the amount of freight that we, that we have to haul now. Okay. So, 
uh, definitely a challenge. Okay, and how's so, the uh, rollout going so far for you guys? I mean, where are you on that stage? We, and, and we have just started putting them in. Uh, okay. Maybe got six, eight trucks put together. We just started okay. them last week, actually. And it's not a real hard install, a couple hours, uh, you know, depending on the truck make and model, but mm -hmm. uh, not a big thing. We're, so we're getting used to that. Sure. Uh, it'll, it'll be fun. That process right. will be fun. And, you know, you know how truck drivers are always a little excited about that. So. Yeah. Hopefully we can calm that process down okay. and uh, and get them familiar with it right. before it's uh, before we have to go live with it. Okay. So, Any steps you guys are taking to, so, to keep the drivers on top of it? And well, we're we're trying to to put it in some of our local equipment, our more local equipment, okay. and get get those guys used to it because they can come in and ask a lot of questions, and uh, we're going to try to get them trained up on it. So then when our road drivers have some questions, we can sort of divert them to those right. guys to ask and. You know they work well with each other so it would okay. be okay so i i'm not i i think once they understand the process and and how the option how, how it works i don't think it'll be a problem but you know it's 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 going to change how we do business to a point right. i mean and and everybody else so yeah um and uh what, what do you think it'll mean for the i guess the industry as a whole when you think about the, the, the number of, of companies that are making this transition right now, I mean, it's certainly the majority of the industry that has, has yet to move, well, what, I think, to, to e-logs. What it will do is it will definitely level the playing field, mm -hmm. I guess, for a lack of better terms. Every, you, you get 60 hours to work a week or 70 hours to work a week, and uh, that's what you get. Got it. Any other so, thoughts on the topic? That's my thoughts. Okay, so, great. Well, thank you for joining I, us, Kevin. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thank you so and, much. Uh, thanks right. for your input. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Welcome back. That was Kevin Tomlinson, uh, Director of Maintenance at South Shore Transportation and past chairman of TMC, sharing his thoughts on ELDs a couple weeks ago at TMC's annual meeting. And I think Kevin raised uh, uh, some good questions about driver pro productivity, so I'd like to uh, pose the same question to our panelists. Um, do you think the industry will see, you know, the industry as a whole will see a, a reduction in driver productivity due to the ELD mandate, uh, Sam? I, I don't think they will. Realistically, if the, uh, the driver and the carrier is operating within the guidelines now, there should be little or no difference. Okay. The, the first thing that comes to mind was uh, Kevin was introduced as a director of maintenance, and we haven't Correct. talked about maintenance. Don't forget your maintenance department. If you have uh, 116 trucks or whatever he said he had, um, the ELD device is occasionally going to break. Mm -hmm. It's going to malfunction. A driver is going to drop it or throw it out the window or use a ballpoint <laughs> pen on the touch screen. And you have to be ready for a truck to be down because the thing doesn't work. And, you, you know, you have to be, have the backup plan, either use the paper logs or have a service center someplace nearby that you can get some help. Mm -hmm. um, that said... I, I don't believe that this is going to cause a, a, cha a big difference in productivity. I think that's really the fear talking. We're all afraid of the change. Um, it's going to change the way we do business in some places. Mm -hmm. It's going to make us better. Uh, we're going to be able to manage our trucks better. And in some places, it's going to point out places where we're doing something that we can't legally do or that we can't efficiently do, and we're going to have to adapt to that. Sure. And speaking of ELD uh, malfunctions or problems, uh, I got a question from uh, Dennis Poteet, uh, lead instructor at Vincennes University. Uh, he's asking how ELD breakdowns would work. Uh, and the, the rule does have some language on that. You know, in, the, in the event of an ELD malfunction, 
Uh, drivers will be required to notify the carrier within 24 hours and the carrier will be required to take action to fix the ELD within eight days. In the meantime, drivers will have to use paper logs to record their hours and they'll have to reconstruct their logs from the previous seven days unless they're able to retrieve it from the ELD. Correct. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, but about this, uh, this issue with uh, uh, malfunctions or, or problems with, with the devices, I'd like to ask each of the panelists if you've experienced much of that at all. Um, you know, how common is a, you know, a device failure or you know, maybe a, a tampering issue, uh, or has that been pretty rare? In our experience, early on in the program, there was, uh, with any kind of technology, you're going to have issues that you overcome, whether it's vehicle grounding, and it's going to differ if you have an OBC or just an, an ELD, how it uh, hooks up, whether it goes to the ECM or directly to the diagnostic port, it's going to be a big difference. Um, they're pretty robust. Uh, we haven't had a lot of downtime caused by the equipment, but there again, we have a, a very effective uh, method of recording malfunctions, uh, equipment needing repair, and have available equipment because we're a slip seat uh, company, mm -hmm. so we can put that driver into another truck. And I will say that it, a driver, if he has a choice, we have seen this time and time again, between a truck that's, that is uh, ELD equipped or telematics equipped versus one that's not, they will almost all the time take the one that is because it is so much less work for them to maintain that paper record. Got it. Yeah, and I uh, have a question here from uh, Oswaldo who's asking, uh, do you find it was easier to get driver buy-in before implementing e-logs and letting them provide insight into which system you eventually purchased? Um, and uh, do you keep an inventory of spare uh, ELD parts for any uh, short-term or, uh, 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 or rental trucks you may have in your fleet? So I guess not parts, but you know, spare devices you know, for, for rentals we, or lease. We, we do. We keep uh, uh, the, the unit that we use now has a computer in the truck and a display unit that's cabled to it. The display unit gets most of the abuse and, and has the most problems. So we have extras of those okay. that can be plugged in. And as with any piece of equipment, it's important that you look into, inquire about service networks and how you're going to get the things repaired because you're probably not going to repair them yourselves. You're probably going to be relying on, a, on the vendor to do that, and they're electronic devices, so they have to be installed correctly to work. Okay. And you guys keep some spares on hand? Oh, yes. We have... Uh, about 39 maintenance locations now. These are uh, fully equipped shops with a safety stock. Uh, some of the, the lesser parts or the more common parts, such as cables, will be kept at service centers. We do probably most, I'd say 95% of ours in-house. Okay. Uh, we also have a question about IFTA here from Casey. Uh, what are the pros and cons of using the ELD data uh, to create your IFTA tax returns? Oh, the, the pros and cons are the same. It's accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it automates the it automates yeah. the process. You don't have any questions about uh, reconstructing things or knowing uh, what your IFTA return should look like. It's it's all it's all recorded automatically, and you can. It's a matter of uh, running the data. Okay. So even though you know ELD is for hours of service and IFTA is for uh, you know for tax purposes, yeah, they're really, it's, it's they're, okay. It's really a telematics question more than an ELD question because, okay. as you yeah. know, the, right. the ELD doesn't have to report in right. real time. Right. It does have to record uh, hours of service data and mileage and things, but if you have a regular telematics program, you're going to get position location 
and state line crossings on all your vehicles in real time all the time. Okay, so. got it. Any additional thoughts on that, Sam? Sure, our telematics provider has a very robust uh, program we use for, for taxes. Uh, with 7,600 trucks, uh, it, it is a, a great asset to us. Oh, it's a necessity. I mean, you, you couldn't live without it. Yeah. Got it. I have a question from Brian. Are the new ELDs required to or going to have geofencing? Um, I didn't see any sort of requirement in the rule about that. You know, that may be something that, that some technology vendors offer. So I would, I would view that as, a, as an option rather than something to, uh, uh, to expect. And uh, on, the t on, the line of, uh, on that same line of uh, discussion, uh, there's some questions about the different types of ELDs out there. Um, uh, Russell Jones asks us, uh, are there any software-only options? Uh, let me just answer that by saying that there has to be some sort of hardware involved. Um, you know, in some cases that could be, you know, your existing technology platform if you already have an AOBRD. Um, you know, it, it could be uh, proprietary hardware from a technology vendor. Uh, it could be a mobile device. But if you're using a mobile device, you still have to connect with the truck. So you'll need some sort of way to connect with the, the ECM. So there is some additional hardware there. Uh, in fact, we may actually see uh, technology vendors taking advantage of factory-installed OEM hardware moving forward. Uh, the truck manufacturers have rolled out uh, remote, diagnostic, remote diagnostics platforms that have their own, in a lot of cases, have their own um, hardware installed on the truck already. So it's possible that some technology vendors will latch onto that. Uh, but in the end, there's, there's not a software-only option. You do need some sort of hardware to connect with the engine somehow. Um, and I did have another question on that, on the same lines from uh, Burl Tate, asking if uh, handheld devices with ELD programs uh, or ELD apps will be legally acceptable. Uh, again, you need to have some sort of connection. You need, it does need to connect with the, uh, the engine. Um, and there has uh, to be a hard mount. Yes, that's true. You know, it has to be mounted. Can't you know, be. If, it's a, if you're using a smartphone or tablet as your display, you do have to have a way to, to mount that in the vehicle. Um, so it can't just be a mobile app only. It does need to connect with, uh, you know, use a you know, black box or a cable to connect with the, you know, connect with the engine. But I, I think you'll see that one of the most common types of ELDs out there will be uh, devices that incorporate uh, smartphones or tablets. And uh, I think we've already answered a question from uh, Kevin Moore. How are we getting getting the data from the truck? Uh, you know, this is uh, you know the language in the rule is is an integral synchronization with the engine ECM. You know, it has to automatically capture things like uh, engine power status, vehicle motion, miles driven, and, and uh, engine hours. Uh, so it's a connection with the with the ECM. Um, a question for that I'll relate to the panelists here is one from uh, Jim Dobson of Airgas. Uh, what is your plan to meet the requirement that an officer has to be able to view the e-log from outside the cab with uh, current fixed-mounted devices? Um, yeah, how, how would you? How do you guys pl plan Long to handle cables? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's the answer. The, 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 the rule says that the driver has to be able to either print out the log right. or show the display outside mm -hmm. the cab. So he's going to have to be able to take the display unit and hold it out the window. window. Um, I'm not sure that all of ours so far are installed in a way that that's possible. We'll have to okay, so that's an open question. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sam? Uh, currently, ours is a fixed device; it's not removable. Uh, but they, there are tablet 
devices that are completely mm -hmm. portable, sitting in a charging cradle. There's a lot of options uh, within the time period we can adapt to. Okay, and I think the language is that it has to be viewed, so I'm not sure if, you, if the officer can, can view it uh, from, you know, we, we, you know, inside the, the cab you know, while, while still being outside the vehicle as, as is required. Uh, and maybe a follow-up question on that. Uh, do you guys plan to continue using fixed mount, or do you see yourselves moving toward more of a uh, you know, portable uh, product? Uh, and do you have a preference between those two? We've kind of decided, I, th I think, that we're going to continue with a dedicated device or a fixed mount device. I, I have a lot of concerns around um, the reliability and the robustness, if you will, of uh, you know, a smartphone or a tablet device. There are some very good ones, and there are some that aren't really made for this. And I, I have concerns about drivers leaving them at home or, or, or having a malfunction or them breaking. Um, I, th I think we're going to stick with a dedicated okay. device. And Sam? Uh, for the moment, we'll stick with the, with the hard mount device, but I do see in the future it will come to a, a tablet per driver. The driver will not only keep his records of duty status on a tablet, there'll be a lot of other information, and that tablet will accompany the driver everywhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he will uh, mount the tablet when he drives the truck, and, and it will acclimate him to that unit. And, and or the tablet will be able to talk to the telematics device that's in the truck using Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Yes. There are some of those systems are already out there. You can, you can use a tablet to scan uh, shipping papers, to capture signatures, to capture data from customers, and it talks to the device in the truck. Got it. Uh, we got some questions also on device certification. Uh, we got a question from uh, John Gaither about this on how FMCSA will police the vendors who say they are compliant but uh, might not. Uh, so, so just to, to back up a little bit, FMCSA does have a certification process, but it's a, a vendor self-certification process. So I, I think there's definitely a grain of, of salt to be uh, taken with that. Um, ultimately, the device manufacturer just has to you know, test and assert that it meets the, the technical specifications of an ELD. Uh, but FMCSA isn't necessarily vetting those devices. Uh, you know, there is a process by which FMCSA can remove a device from the list if it's found to be non-compliant. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a buyer beware, beware element to this. Um, you know, just because a, a, a device is on a, a, a list, uh, keep in mind that it can also be removed from that list. So there, there's some due diligence for, for the, on the carrier's part to make sure that your vendor is, uh, is going to be compliant and is on top of uh, uh, the, the regulation. Uh, and, and you'll have to make sure that you do the necessary uh, legwork and, and, and ask the right questions of your vendor to make sure that that's the case. Uh, you know, thoughts on our panelists on, on the current uh, certification process? Any advice you give to the uh, carriers out there? I think buyer beware is good advice because there's a real trap here for people who uh, are captivated by the lowest cost or uh, something like that. I think, I think it's important that your vendor know the business, know what the trucking business is like. I think it's important that the, the customer learn the rules so that they, as you said, so that they know the questions to ask. I've met with vendors even very recently who told me their devices are completely compliant and they are not, either because they don't know or because they are scrambling to catch up. So it, it would behoove everyone to use somebody who's been around for a while and knows the business. Okay. Uh, thoughts on that? I would also, that, that's correct. I would trust but verify. Get those credentials. 
keep them on file because you, you, you may need them. Got it. Uh, so FMCSA is maintaining a website of, of self-certified ELDs. Um, I checked earlier this week, and there's still only three on there, uh, but expect that to, uh, to increase uh, rapidly uh, over time. Uh, and that could be a good starting point, but maybe once you uh, uh, get some, some names from there, you know, do your due diligence and, and look into the vendors from there. Uh, I have a question from Steve Elliott, uh, Vice President at Rail Transport. Uh, how many carriers do you estimate use ELDs today? Um, I personally don't have any hard numbers on that, uh, but I do think it's safe to say that it's still well under half the trucks on the road today um, are on e-logs. Uh, if I had to give a very rough guess, I'd say maybe between a, a quarter and a third. Uh, I'd say adoption is definitely heavier among you know, larger fleets. Uh, you know, some mid-sized and smaller fleets are also using it, but probably not quite as uh, frequently. Um, Panelists, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the current uh, deployment or, or market penetration for e-logs? I think that's an accurate guess. Um, in the LTL market, we know uh, about where the competition is or is not with their programs. Uh, in truckload, it's just an observance going up and down the road to see in how many trucks do you see marked that are e-log compliant. I will say, though, that um, enforcement is getting very much with the game now. Mm -hmm. on roadside, uh, where a couple of years ago uh, you may not have seen such in-depth checks for an e-log. Now they're, they're learning. Uh, we have helped them learn as best we can as to what to look for and what is available, more or less on roadside, to look at an, uh, a driver's record of duty status. So they'll get a good understanding uh, of what they're looking at with our drivers, and, and it, it benefits and goes downhill to other drivers also. Okay. Yes, in 2012, enforcement pretty much pass the truck by if it had electronic logs, yeah. and that's not true anymore. They're checking mm -hmm. them, you know, the same way they would have paper logs. Okay. Uh, good question from Michael McKinney, the president of AM Transport. Uh, for, a, for a small carrier that has not been use, using electronic logs of any type yet, what would you suggest as the first couple steps to finding the best product? You guys are, are larger than, than um, this company in all likelihood, but... The vendors are are very eager to educate us and to provide these products. So meet with, uh, there, and there are lists. You know, you'll, there's, I think there are lists published in Transport Topics and some of the other magazines of all the providers that provide e-logs today. Um, meet with them. Make appointments. Meet with the, the top vendors, the major ones. Mm -hmm. Compare how, they, how, how their system works and how well it will fit with your operation. The information is available if you want it. Sure. Exactly. I, I would advise them to um, get get the basics. Know know what you want when you go shopping, and look at what's available. But also look look to the future. What do you think you're going to want? Uh, are you going to be able to handle this data? And do you think you have a need for it? If you don't, you'll end up buying twice. Mm -hmm. And another thing, I'd, another piece of recommendation that I'd like to, to provide is, uh, I'd certainly encourage you if you haven't adopted yet, you know, start looking now. I mean. Uh, don't wait until the last minute on this. You, you, you really will not want to try to rush this at the end. Uh, um, you know, now, is, now is the time to be looking around and, and planning for this. Uh, December of 2017 will be here uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I do think it would behoove you to, to start planning now. I'd also like to ask a, a quick question of our panelists on uh, if you have any concerns about the interoperability of different ELD systems, uh, you know, this is something that could play out potentially if a fleet brings on, on uh, owner-operators on board. 
uh, you know, maybe even through you know, mergers and acquisitions, but uh, are you concerned at all about different ELD systems, managing different ELD systems within an operation? We're, we're very concerned about it, and, and we've made the decision that um, maybe two, but certainly no more than that. Uh, we, may, we may have two different systems because they have to operate on different web portals. Uh, we have the technology to integrate the data into one place, which is important. Um, we have a large owner-operator fleet, and we're going to have a higher turnover in that fleet, and they're going to start coming to us with other solutions. And we've pretty much made the decision that we're going to require them to buy, uh, either from us or from somebody else, one of two okay. chosen technologies, and that for at least the time being, we're probably going to be absorbing that cost so that we don't you know, scare them away right off at the get-go. Okay. Are you concerns at all about interoperability? Uh, yes, we we will have a single provider. We use a single provider now and always have. While we do have a drainage division with uh, probably less than 100 uh, ELD strictly units, uh, telematics platform is most beneficial to the company because of the, um, the operational, the maintenance, and the technology uh, capabilities that are there. But we will, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't want to think about multiple providers. Okay. And I, I've gotten several questions here about uh, the cost of ELDs. Um, I won't go through them all, but uh, you know, they all kind of hit on you know, sort of the, the basic question of how much this will cost. Uh, I, I think you'll find a wide variety of prices out there. You know, ultimately, you know, it, it just depends what you want to do. I mean, if you want to just have a you know, basic compliance, that will you know, cost you one thing. If you want to do a lot more, and there's opportunity to do that once you install you know, hardware in your truck, you can... Do a lot more with telematics, as, as we've discussed here. Uh, and, of course, you know, I, I think in the end of the day, you, you, you kind of get what you pay for. Uh, so if you're looking for something that's, that's low cost, I think you'll be able to find that. If, and if you want something that's more uh, feature-heavy and has all the bells and whistles, you'll be able to find that, too. Uh, FMCSA F estimated that an average cost uh, per vehicle per year would be $495. Uh, so that's, that's their estimate on what's average. And uh, they have costs ranging from uh, $165 a year to $832. Uh, but I really think that all just depends on what you're doing, you know, what kind of features and applications you're running. Uh, so it's, not, it's definitely not one size fits all. Um, maybe as we, uh, as we look to wrap up here, I'll ask uh, our uh, panelists a, a final question about uh, the language and the ELD rule itself. Are there any sticking points that you guys see? Is there anything that uh, you know, kind of raised a red flag with you when you look at the final rule? Uh, any concerns about the language? Um, or, or are you pretty uh, content with, with what you see? I don't think not too much jumped out at me, other okay. than there's some places where they, they sort of bleed over into the hours of service rules without really amending them. Um, and uh, the driver harassment uh, rule is going to need to be fleshed out because we don't really understand what the process is going to be there. Um, but I think, other than that, I think it's pretty clear. Okay, sure. Yeah. And we entered comments back uh, during the rulemaking, and I think they were uh, more or less addressed. We didn't get everything we wanted uh, between the carriers and, and the providers, but it, it seems to be a, a, a good compromise and a, a pretty good rule. I think it's doable for the most part, for our, from our perspective anyway. Great. Well, gentlemen, this has been an excellent conversation, but we'll have to leave it there for now. 
You've been watching Live on Web. Tune in again on April 20th as we discuss Transport Topics' Top 50 Logistics Companies. Let me again extend our gratitude to Herman Funk, Vice President and General Counsel at Cowan Systems, and Sam Fawcett, Vice President of Safety and Compliance at Old Dominion Freightline, for joining us today. I'd also like to thank Kevin Tomlinson, Director of Maintenance at South Shore Transportation and past Chairman of TMC, for participating in our interview. And I also want to express our appreciation to our sponsors, Freightliner and PeopleNet, who made today's program possible. If you missed part of the show or would just like to watch it again, a replay will be posted later today on our website, ttnews.com, and on liveonweb.ttnews.com. Thank you also to our production team at Live on Web, Kevin Eaton, Brandon Green, Wanda Johnson, Gary Kaczynski, Tara McClelland, and Shehab Mustafa. We'd like to hear your reaction to today's broadcast. Head over to our LinkedIn page and comment on this episode at ttn.ws slash LOW is linked. And don't forget, Live on Web also is available via podcast. Go to iTunes, search Live on Web, and subscribe. Until next time, I'm Seth Clevenger, Technology Editor at Transport Topics. Thank you for watching.